0: This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. My name is Dan Doty, and today's guest is Rochelle Garcia-Saliga. I'm not sure if you can hear it on the recording, but I am in a mobile studio Uh, AKA my wife's dope minivan, and it's raining outside, so maybe you can hear uh, the pitter-patter of the rain here. I'm excited to share this episode. Rochelle is a teacher, a midwife, and a a real leader in the birth world from a very, very uh, strong place of what she calls innate traditions. She's the founder of Innate Traditions, Innate Postpartum Care, the Physiological Baby Course, and just really so much deep, deep, so many deep offerings, uh, primarily for women and primarily around birthing, mothering. And uh, there's a statement that I want to read, which I think is really important about Innate Traditions. It says, "'Innate is that which is natural and inherent.'" traditions are those teachings that are passed down from one generation to the next nature's design offers us a map to health and wellness we thrive when we follow that which has been laid out for us traditional medicine is stored within our blood and bone memory within the earth air water fire and stars the more we heal ourselves from the destructive programming we've received the more we have access to this knowledge that is from her website innatetraditions.com/about The reason I'm sharing this is that this conversation is another one on this string of episodes that that we're releasing that really has shaken me, not shaken me, but hit me in a very deep place. I started this podcast excited, thinking that it was a good idea, but what's actually been happening and what I'm finding is that I'm going on a journey here. I feel like already just a handful of episodes in, I'm having conversations about fatherhood, about the world, about parenting, about life in general uh, on the very deep ends of the scale. And I find that I'm being put in touch with people that have immense amounts of experience and wisdom and wild perspectives. So I'm having a ball here. And this conversation with, with Rochelle really really lit me up. There's something I want to point to in the conversation which I get into with Rochelle a little bit. And it's it's just a small piece of her work that I stumbled into, but it's really ringing deeply true for me. And that's this idea or this concept or this truth of of the primal brain or the parts of ourselves that are awake, alive and intelligent And the the deep, deep human parts, not the parts that are checking Instagram and thinking about what's for dinner, but the parts of us that know what to do uh, as a father, as a protector, as a partner, as just a human being when we're with other human beings doing the most important parts of life and we just know what to do. And I'm just curious and I'm fascinated about this primal brain, this primal nature, the part of us that wakes up and I'm, and I'm curious about how we wake it up, how we integrate that with our crazy digital hypermodern lives that we're living. That's just a little taste. Rochelle and I go into a lot of uh, wild and beautiful places and uh, I hope you enjoy listening to this even a quarter as much as I enjoyed having this conversation. But briefly, before we get to the conversation with Rochelle, I'm going to tell you about a few opportunities to join this growing community and movement around Fatherhood Unlocked. We are just a couple weeks away from launching the next cohort of Fatherhood Ready. Fatherhood Ready is a 10-week online training for men about to become fathers or those wrestling with that concept. It is a boot camp, it is a men's group, it is an educational opportunity to be in a community of men and be given an opportunity to truly both look at yourself and your family and your history and your own identity in preparation for a huge huge transition of identity into fatherhood. And it's also a crash course education into what we feel are some of the most important and and rarely talked about parts of fatherhood. There's fatherhood books out there, there's prep courses, but most of them are fairly surface level and will get you going in terms of babies, cribs and diapers and a few things. But we are going to go 10 leagues deeper than that in this course. This cohort is being taught by Aaron Blaine, my colleague and close friend. He's a returned Special Forces veteran, a great man and a great dad. And he is gonna take this group on a journey that has an impact on their and their family's future lives. I'm gonna talk about one more opportunity coming up and it is called Force of Nature. And it's a weekend primitive camping experience and deep dive men's retreat. We run them on an island off the coast of Maine, kind of nearby my home country these days, and we get on a boat, a bunch of dudes get dropped off on an island, we cook over fires, sleep under tarps, and drop in together in what is kind of a modern day rite of passage. It's not kind of, it is. It's an opportunity to get to know your real self the deeper self, the bigger self, the part of yourself that is the unconditioned part, the part of you that comes alive when looking in another man's eyes or looking out at where the ocean meets the sky. It is an opportunity to truly emerge into a sense of your your bigness, your wildness, and find a way paradoxically for that to live amongst your normal life. It's a wild trip. It is a heck of a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite things to do in the world. This one is May 26th to 28th, and we have a handful of spots left. If you're interested in either of these programs, go to dandoty.com. That's dandot dot Pretty soon, the Fatherhood Unlocked website is coming up, so I'll be giving you a different website shortly. But right now, dandoty.com. All right. Thank you for being here and enjoy the conversation with Rochelle Garcia-Saliga. All right, Rochelle, this is the awkward part where I say welcome to the show and then you say thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me, Dan.
0: (laughs) Uh, I really am deeply, deeply grateful and excited to have this conversation. Uh, We have some mutual colleagues and friends and I've been aware of your your work uh for, for a while, for a couple of years at least. But it's really in the preparation for this chat that I feel like I'm actually getting to know uh who you are and what you do in the world. And it's incredibly well timed. And um so I, I I really do mean it. I am grateful and excited to to chat with you here today.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm glad that this is like how we both have the time to do it. We like record our conversation
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true isn't it yeah uh-huh. that's very true um all right so i'm just going to put a, a a short frame mm. around this conversation as, as a starting place and and then there'll be lots of things for us to get into here but let's imagine that uh that i am a uh, i'm me but i haven't had children yet And I go home from this conversation and actually I had, this is a terrible example. Let's imagine there's a dude out there who goes home today and his partner, uh, shows him the pregnancy test and it's positive. And this man's life is about to change, you know, God, God willing that things go well, any, no matter what his life is, is in, in, is changing. Let's say his Mm -hmm. life is changing. Um, and we don't have to go all the way from square one, but part of what I'm really excited about here in this conversation is your experience with knowledge of understanding mastery of what seems to me, this is my language, so I might be off, but it seems to be like the very simple basic truths of pregnancy, of birth, of postpartum. Um, I have been really, really I don't know, taking in your work has really just been a constant sort of uh, kind of like slaps of truth in a sense of like, oh, my gosh, that seems so real. That seems so true. So a better, here's a better way to ask what I'm going to do. And listen, I want to tell all the audience just straight off the bat, I am high on cold medicine right now. And I might come off like just a total... Um, uh, a kind of a nutcase today. So I'm just giving myself the the permission to to not to not oh, be right. super succinct. Anyway, <laughs> there's a big there's a huge gulf in what men don't know, what expecting dads, what actual dads do and don't know. I'm I would love to start with some of the physiological truths um and the reality of of what pregnancy and birth is about. And I know that's a huge thing, but let's just pick a spot and uh and start. There.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge thing. So <clears throat> like what first comes up for me, right, if I'm like talking with this dad who his partner just found out she was pregnant <clears throat> and I'm coming out of a cold too and his partner found out she was pregnant and so like what like what is the beginning point? Cuz there's 50 million beginning points, right? right. And so <clears throat> For me, what I always come back to, because I feel like it's foundational to human life, is that, like, as a midwife, like my training, my background is in midwifery. I spent all of my twenties apprenticing with midwives in a traditional apprenticeship route, and then practicing as a midwife. And so, when I look at the world, it's through this lens of midwifery. And for me, what that means, like authentic midwifery, midwifery and its origins, it's understanding that this, this primal continuum of human life, which is from like Mm. conception through the first three years of life is the microcosm for our, the entirety of our life as humans. And so Um, if we want to find answers to anything really we look within this microcosm you know and there's so many ways that we could do this depending on like what our trades are right like you could be a carpenter and you could have the same kind of thing right it's like it's just kind of all metaphors but for me in my um, growing up into my adulthood with midwifery being my primary focal point like this is what I do so in midwifery when we look at um, <clears throat> gestation, okay, and we look at how do babies gestate in the womb, and this is a this is something that they really teach in pre and perinatal psychology. But um, babies are in <clears throat> two, like you know, it's the amnion and the chorion. It doesn't really matter, right? The point is, is that their sack of water, the amniotic sack, has two layers to it. Yeah and on a really the purpose of having two layers in amniotic sac is that if one breaks you have the other one wow. right and and they can also repair right so like an amniotic sac can break and then they can like seal back together but there's two layers because if one comes undone you still have the other layer there and so the blueprint to human life is two layers of support okay wow. So the amniotic sac is two layers of support. The biological design is that a baby is born and there's a mother and a father. This is not like morality. This is not opinion. This is just the design of it. Why is that the design? Because on a very, again, practical, logistical level, if anything happens to the mother or the father, the other one's there to be able to take care of the baby. And so that design and like a larger reach, right? We say we all always need two layers of support. Mm. Okay. And like in this, this childbearing continuum in these early. So for the dads, especially it's like, who is your support? You know, your support could be like, maybe you work with a really great therapist and that could for sure be a layer of support. Right. But it's just to be like two layers of support all the time because our partners can never be our only support. It's dysfunctional, right? And that's often also what happens in like nuclear family contexts. We want everything from our partner. We want to derive everything from our partners and it's not possible, right? So from the beginning, like if we look at pregnancy as preparation, which is what it is, right? It's like, all of the emotional and mental and spiritual and physical processes of not just the woman being pregnant but what happens for the man by means of thoughts and emotions and all that this is preparation for what's to come so it's taking that preparatory time to take care of shit that we haven't taken care of you know which is who is our support on a really simple practical level because if we're having a hard time and one layer can't catch us who is the other layer that can catch us
0: yeah that's incredible the yeah as soon as you as soon as you shared the two layers of of the amniotic sac i mean just you know all of the uh metaphorical truths are just unfolded in front of me that's that's really incredible the um the the piece of that that really jumped out i mean it all jumped out at me but one of the things that I often do with with men and dads that I work with is have them do just like a basic uh, needs map, like to think about, you know, the the close people in the family and, and really just be very practical and, and succinct and specific about needs, the most pressing needs that are unfulfilled or filled. And uh, yeah, the social network, right, the social fabric. I would say that the general tone in a lot of sort of my peer – Community, peer culture is that we know we need community. We understand that. We feel that in every bone of our body. And we're really struggling to create that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think what you shared is very concrete and simple, right? If you mm-hmm. need two layers of support, that's that's something that you can take action on, right? Mm-hmm. My question here is that, um, you know, so, so dad or, be, you know, guy who's going to become dad needs two layers of support. That's clear. What I'm imagining, or what I would imagine happens a lot, is that if if dad doesn't get his support, doesn't stay healthy, doesn't stay whole, and if he is supposed to be one of the two layers of support for mom, that just sets that sets the whole system at, at a loss. Is that is that accurate? Do you, yeah, do you see? Totally. That?
1: Yeah. And yeah. I feel like it's true, you know, and maybe this is like the most challenging part of being a mother or father, is that our children's health is dependent upon our health, right? And then we have to say, well, what is our health dependent upon? So anytime we're not stepping up and taking our health, our family will pay, right? Like our partners will pay and our children will pay. And again, this is not to judge an individual and we're all humans in this. And so we're all going to be in times of being on it and faltering and being on it and faltering but to understand we're not just like these little molecules floating around in outer space right yeah. so absolutely in this case in this you know design that we're talking about like after birth if a dad is not well resourced how can he how can he show up for yeah. the mom right and the way that it's designed for him to and that's not to say Oh well then the role of the dad is just to show up and support um and not be supported no like he is in the postpartum time as well and like to me in my you know ideal um version of course directing for humanity right in the postpartum time like the mom and the baby are lying in as a dyad but the dad is present as well because yeah. the thing is the thing that alters the biology of a man after birth is presence, physical presence. So, what I mean when I say that, like testosterone levels go down, oxytocin levels go up, prolactin levels actually go up in a man after birth. But these hormonal shifts after birth for men only happen when they're physically present with their woman and their baby. Okay. So, then we look at the current design of the modern world is like, let's say, in a fortunate in quotations right case that yeah. a man has two weeks off after birth right and i and i'm saying in quotations because it's insane right and like a lot of men probably have zero time after birth to be with their families but if if a man's not physically present his hormonal um shifts don't happen and so that bonding and attachment that happens by the pure physiology by the physiologic design is interrupted, right? And so then we have real places of not meeting each other as men and women, because the woman is 100% altered and the man is 100% not. And so how can they meet to come together as a couple to raise this baby in harmony, right? So, Yeah. um, yeah. And, you know, it all comes back to like, what are we setting ourselves up with by means of resourcing? What's our support yeah. and understanding that we can only show up as much as we're resourced. Yeah. It's a full-time job, yo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, the, you know, just for context, right. I have three little ones. We have a six year old, a four, and then wilderness art, our, our girl is uh, 15 months And I can look at the three births and and the amount of time that I was able to be present and easily make up some stories, you know, along there and the impact that that things had. I'm curious. Traditionally, right? So this this is one thing I wanted to ask you: is that, um, you know, it is. I have a sense, and I'm not sure if this is the same for you, but there there is at least the possibility these days today that men are. Willing and open and and at least desiring to be more of a partner in in partnerships and family and parenthood, and I think I'm seeing that in in the birth process too. But traditionally, like the story that I know from stories is that traditionally the birth happened just just the women with the women and the men were not there. I'm curious what you th- is was that true? Is that true? What was I'm is there, a, you know, for the birth itself. Mm-hmm. Is there anything physiological that or, or is there anything important for a man to be there? i'm I'm curious mm-hmm. about that,
1: um, so like there's so much in there to parse out, which is like the first, let's just say, is like all of our respective orientation around human history, right? And so, like I personally believe we're in a much more um devolve state, how you say de- like not evolved state than our ancestors. Yeah. Um, I feel that we had ancestors who were much, much more highly evolved than our current state of being and that we have de-evolved from that state. And like the timelines I look at are within like, you know, 24,000 years. So like for me, when I think about that, I can say, well, like I think 24,000 years ago, who knows? Okay. But then I can say for the past 5,000 years, my sense is no, men have not been involved in the birth process nor the postpartum process right and it has been like a woman tended um ordeal right which is like yeah. you have women at the birth who have experienced birth and that's where their expertise is coming from you have women taking care of women in the postpartum time because they've been through the process and i also um believe that within that then you have the men taking care of the men in their own like initiatory rights to be able to step into Fatherhood. Yeah. Um, this is like a side note, and then I'll come back to that. But one time, I taught my postpartum class up in um, Saskatoon. Where was I? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And there was um, some Cree women that came down from their reservation who run like a maternal infant clinic on their reservation. And one of the women who I was talking with, she said, traditionally in Cree culture, and still for her family and for many of the families on this reservation, men are not allowed to leave their family home until they're 32 years old, okay? (laughs) Because it is believed that that is the amount of time it takes for them to be in their family's home to properly educate a man to be able to go take care of his own family. I was like-
0: Oh That's incredible.
1: Right. The gar- the young women can leave in their twenties. Okay. But the men stay home till they're 32 because it's believed that's the amount of education it takes for them to have sufficient responsibility for them to carry a family. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when I look at like the past 5,000 years of human history, yes, I believe it's primarily been a, a woman, a female, um, you know, endeavor, engagement, like birth and postpartum and all of those things. And then also that the men were with the men and the men were like preparing the men to get ready for fatherhood and all of that. And what is like kind of a bedrock of my work is that, because like my work, I call it innate traditions. And so I think a lot of times people assume that because I'm talking about traditions, I'm like, we, we must return to how it has been. And I don't believe that. I believe that as humans, we're always moving forward. I believe that part of like what it means to be a human being actually is to evolve and to evolve individually and to evolve collectively. So what I track as a point of our collective evolution is that men are now participating in birth and men are now participating in the postpartum time. So I know midwives who think that this is horrible and like men shouldn't be part of this space because this is a woman's space, right? And I don't see it like that. I say, well, this, maybe this is new in terms of like how we do things as humans, but I also feel like it's really beautiful because of the Union that has the potential to happen because of the shifts that have the potential to happen, because of the unification between males and females that can happen through this kind of experience, you know. And like my dear friend and elder midwife, Wapio, you know, her whole thing is like every dad should catch their own baby because mm-hmm. if every dad caught their own baby, like there would not be um child abuse there would not there would be an eradication right of all of these horrendous things that that happen that we can say oh well males perpetuate physical violence for example i'm just making this up right but yeah. but she's saying like if men were catching their own babies at birth this would shift this would alter our states yeah. of consciousness right so i think it's a beautiful thing and i would say that the problem is that as women, we're like, men, we want you to come to our births. Men, we want you to be in these experiences, which is beautiful. Here's the women calling the men. And then the women are like, and we're so fucking pissed at you because of how you didn't show up (laughs) and how you're not showing up. But like, how can the men show up when there is no resourcing for the men of how to show up? There's no, like, biological imprint from their forefathers. There's no, like, very few elder men, right, being like, yeah. and this is the path we follow. There's, like, very few initiatory rights. And we just, like, want the men to show up. Yeah. But, like, the resourcing has to come from somewhere, right? So that's where we're at right now, collectively. We're in this really messy time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Definitely. Well, that is that is exactly where we are, right? That's what this podcast yeah. is. That's what what oh, I'm working on building, and and so yeah, to to connect in this moment um, is really really helpful, deeply 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 helpful. Uh, what came up? The question there was: I, I wonder when did the trend of of men being part of births? Because certainly it wasn't the 50s, maybe the 60s or 70s. Did did men kind of increasingly go there? My my assumption or my kind of guess here is that men fell into that role because maybe women didn't have the women community to support them. Mm -hmm. Or I'm, I'm really curious. I don't, uh, do you have any sense what the shift was and why all all of a sudden men are invited into that space? Yeah.
1: I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe like it started in like the seventies, you know, um, I don't really know. Maybe there was like a resurgence at that time. There are still places in the world. I mean, I have friends who are part of traditional cultures that men are absolutely not present on birth. Right. right? So like that is also still true. And what I will say, like, I'm going to be 44 this year and I started my midwifery apprenticeship when I was 23. So I'm like 20 years in, and I have tracked, um, I have been able to track so much shift in consciousness just in the past 10, 15 years, um, which I feel very fortunate because I, I, I don't get into this place of despair. Like a lot of people on the planet can get really get stuck right now in like hopelessness and despair, but like I've seen and tracked like consciousness waking up. So I don't go there. And specifically around birth, you know, and around men's involvement at birth and family centered birth and all of these things. So I personally have been able to track like massive um, shifting in like the past 10 to 15 years. And then probably everyone would have something different to say, depending on their like life experience and their place on earth and all the things, but. Well,
0: you know, going through the process of having three children and and being there with my wife, you know, during all of the process, but right now, speaking of the birth itself, Mm -hmm. there is nothing in my life that has been more profoundly changing for me Mm -hmm. than to, than to be with her and just witness that process. And the, the, you know, the kind of arc of each of the births of each of our children. And, uh, you know, again, I'm just kind of throwing things at the wall, but in terms of Healing between her and I, or connecting between her and I, um, it would be hard to imagine anything more profound in terms of just pure honor and awe, and and just like you know that ineffable sense. So I'm wildly grateful for it. You know, one of the maybe it's a big part of what you teach, maybe it's a small part, but I've I've heard and 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 seen you write on. Sort of this the difference of being in our neocortex or our sort of front brain or in the primal, you know, part of our brain, primal understanding. And it, actually, that language has been really helpful for me because it it actually helps me frame what I've been doing with men for a long time. It's giving me new language for for uh, discussing it. And you know, like what you even just what we've shared, what you've shared so far is that if if potentially if a man could catch his child, or if a man can be there present in the, you know, in that birth chamber for the couple of weeks or or however much time, I don't want to put a limit of time on it, that it makes really profound changes. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, as I'm building out programming and community for men to it's, it's heartening in a way because it's, it's not necessarily these big massive complicated things that, that men need to be in order to, to be, you know, uh, a dad who, who's, who's there, right. It really is kind of be there. <laughs> right. And, and maybe those are hard for men to do, but, um, yeah. Tell me more about the, that primal brain and, and how, how that relates to, to this whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and this is a really great metaphor for when we're thinking about like, well, where do we want to birth and how do we want to birth and like that. And I have a stepson when I um, got together with my husband, he was a single dad and my stepson at the time was then 12 and he's now 28 and they just had a baby, him and his girlfriend had a baby that was born in January And so just like talking with them through the process of preparation for their baby, you know, um, was these kinds of things, which is that like in consideration, for example, of like where a woman is gonna choose to birth, right? And we understand, and again, this is not a matter of opinion, but like by our physiologic design, like all women need the same things In order for the physiology of birth to function optimally, which is to say, the safest birth will ever be, right? Because birth is like life and there's always risk. So the safest birth will ever be is when we're aligned with our physiologic design because there's a hormonal blueprint and things can happen as they were designed. And what we need by the blueprint is um, a felt sense of safety. So that means what feel safe not what do we think is safe but what feels safe a felt sense of privacy okay we need um witnesses but we do not need observers so the difference in that is someone who can hold good space but not be like watching you or like pathologizing you or like tracking for problems. Okay. That stuff is super damaging into a birth field. Okay. And so we need a felt sense of privacy, a felt sense of safety. We need witnessing, but not observing. Um, and typically it's like, you know, dark private spaces, right? So the same thing that we need at birth is the same thing that we need in sex. Okay. It's like in order to, really be present in sex and not be like thinking about what you need to buy at the grocery store and all of the things you need a felt sense of privacy yeah you need a felt sense of safety right you want like your partner as witness and engagement with you you don't want an observer right and like this and so actually like my friends and i my midwife friends and i one time we made up this skit i i have it on instagram like a little blurb and it was like this, we were just sitting around my kitchen table talking about this. And it's like you just, you know, you imagine you're making love with your partner and you're really present in the moment, right? And you have the lights dim down and you have this whole space created. And then someone knocks on the door and says, I'm just coming in. I'm just going to check your blood pressure.
0: <laughs> Quick.
1: Okay. And then puts on the lights and then comes over and you're like, wait, what? And they put a blood pressure cuff on you and they take your blood pressure. And are like, you're okay. Okay, I'll leave you alone now. And then they go out of the room and then you're like, well, that was weird. Okay. And then maybe like over a few minutes of time, you find your way to like reconnect and you're like back in your bubble of lovemaking session again, right? And you like find your groove and you're in your space and then you hear I I just need to whatever it is. Right. And so this blueprint that exists at birth exists in sex. It exists. Right. And anytime we interrupt it, there is an interruption in the hormonal blueprint, in the design, in what we're going to call actually the safety of birth. Right. What was your initial question? I don't remember how I got here.
0: Well, the primal brain. Yeah. And and how that kicks on. Yeah.
1: And, and so like in birth, what is most protective for a mother is her not having to think about anything logistical. Okay. Anything that is going to make her, what is the word? Um, What's that word when you feel like you're being observed? Oh yeah. Um, When you feel like someone's watching you. Um, vigilant,
0: vigilant. Or no.
1: Yeah, anything that's going to yeah. make a, a like a woman who's in birth like vig- like hyper vigilant or feel like yeah. she's being observed or having to think about logistical things is going to take her out of yeah. her primal brain. Okay, yeah. anything logistical, rational, practical is not the states of where women are at. We're in altered states of consciousness throughout pregnancy and birth. Right? Talk yeah. about like psychedelic experiences like there is no more psychedelic experience right it would be likened to someone being in like an ayahuasca journey and then you're like let me just pause and take your blood pressure for a moment or uh, you know it's like has nothing to do with the present moment right so anytime we interrupt in that way there's a consequence and some of those consequences we know right and some of the consequences we don't know but we can look at um how mothers are feeling after birth which in general in the modern world is not so great right and we can understand that that is in part a consequence of an interruption in her birth experience which is to say that she was not allowed to be in her primal brain yeah right
0: yeah yeah I uh I definitely don't I'm, I'm not I'm intending not to make this I can't help but think of my own experiences as we talk about this right and so the our first child we had uh, a very spacious uh, postpartum period and and I was able to be home for a long time and it was just it was it was pretty ideal it was it was like very extended very safe very quiet. Um With our second child, I was in the midst of a whole bunch of media stuff and, and really made some poor decisions and, um, and it's really very clear that there's repercussions from that, right? And um, I think that, I mean, it's interesting. So, you know, my wife and I really put the time in to learn and to, to do our best and to set things up for as much success as possible. But it's just remarkable how how much I realized that I had just so little information, so, mm-hmm. so so just unaware of of so much of the stuff. And I have I've been going through your website and looking at your physiological baby course, and I, I'm going to do it myself. I want to do that, um, and I feel like. Uh, I feel like if men had that information it would be a, a true game changer mm-hmm. just to just to actually understand okay, I mean listen we read the books but but as we're talking about like primal brain and and sort of front brain or neocortex here so much of what men go to is the logistics and the the tactics the technical right it starts to nerd out on the technical stuff but I don't know. I feel, I feel like when I go through your material, it's, it's just like, Oh my God, what the fuck? What, why did, you know, why was this not what we're talking about and considering? Because Mm -hmm. it seems so straightforward. Um, who's that course for specifically or who's it designed for the 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 baby course
1: it's designed really for parents i mean i wanted to be able or like parents to be like those who want to have children those who do have children i mean in my ideal world like this is the class that everyone can take before they have children right because there's a lot of parents in class who are like damn like why didn't i like know this before you know Um, And it's also, there are healthcare practitioners who come in there who are working with families so that they can have this as a baseline in their work with the families that they're working with, you know, but this year, I was telling you this before, there was a lot of dads coming with their women to class. um, And that was really awesome. This is my third year teaching that class and each year it's been more and more and more dads. And I just get like the sweetest letters from dads who take my class of like really how it shifted their whole perception of reality, because I mean what I teach in that class, like is the physiologic design of babies focusing on zero to three years old, but inevitably also what comes up is to recognize what we all didn't receive most of us didn't receive in terms of the caretaking from our parents right because um, they didn't know this information, right? So there's all this repair. It's like reparenting work, right? The reparenting yes. is understanding yeah. that it's so difficult for us to show up in these ways that are part of our biological design because we didn't receive these things. We don't have the imprint of them. We're healing from the trauma, from the harm caused by not receiving this and all of that. So it's like this inside out work, right, that's happening for parents. And it's really beautiful, you know. And to say like, to say, well, how come we didn't know? I mean, this is like, that's probably like the question of our lifetime, you know, probably by the time, (laughs) like if we live to be a hundred years old, maybe that question will have become obsolete, hopefully, you know, but for me, I mean, I spent all of my twenties doing midwifery work. Right. So by the time I arrived to birth, I was like, you know, I got it all figured out, right? Because like all of my twenties was around birth and midwives and mothers and babies and all of the things, and then when I arrived to my postpartum time, I was like, "What the hell?" Like, wow, how did nobody? I mean, like we did like postpartum care, right? Like, yeah, more like clinically based. But I, I mean, I worked with midwives in Mexico as well, right? And that was traditional midwifery care. Yeah. But I'm like, how
0: did I, like, have no idea? I'm going to interrupt just for 20 or 30 seconds to tell you about a free audio course that you can pick up for yourself. It's called How to Be a Better Dad. And that's the point. <laughs> it's short. Uh, it's all audio. It's delivered as a private podcast. It's very slick that way. Uh, there's some meditation in there. There's some perspective and there's some some challenging prompts for yourself. Uh, it is a good taste of the work I do. And you can get it simply on my website, dandoty.com, and scroll down to the bottom and find the course How to Be a Better Dad. For example, like what, what were some of the things that surprised you that you didn't How
1: fucking hard it was, you know, (laughs) how fucking hard it was, how I was obliterated. I didn't know who I was for three years after my daughter was born. And I just, I really internalize it as something fucking wrong with me. Right. And I, three years,
0: you said three years,
1: three years. I'm a freaking midwife. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. even have anybody in my sphere to reflect anything back to me. So for three years, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I I mean, I have all kinds of, you know, I have my midwifery background. I was adopted into traditional ceremony as a young adult. I, I've i spent years in Native American ceremony in the Native American church and sweat lodge yeah. and all the things. And I remember being at a native american church ceremony with my little girl and standing up in the morning and crying and being like i just don't know who the fuck i am yeah. and what i wanted was for someone to reflect something to me that was going to orient me and i remember what was said to me was like you know who you are like it's all good and i was um... like i really fucking don't know who i am i'm obliterated until i finally like, thank God for like my own path and my higher self, like began to understand that like (laughs) the function of the postpartum time, right, is like, and birth and everything is meant to obliterate you so that you are reborn anew as a mother. Okay. So then like I was able to weave together all of my experience in ceremony and all of my experience in midwifery with my own like personal experience and be like, oh, like this is meant to be a rite of passage and this is like the order of things and the order has been broken. And so then once I could put it together for myself, I could be like, okay. And then i could resurrect myself then i had like my resurrection right yeah but like how did i not know that how did i not know that because nobody talked about that in all of my from when i was 23 to 30 Okay. I was in midwife. I probably worked with like 18 different midwives. And this is not like people can't say, "Oh, it's because you worked with American midwives. No, I didn't. I worked with midwives in Mexico, primarily. I worked with traditional indigenous midwives. Okay. Nobody talked about this. Okay. And I'm not saying that it's because people don't have it, but I'm saying it has been, it's a big piece of this collective forgetting, right? That we're putting back together right now in this collective remembrance of these basic human precepts. Okay. But I didn't know. And so all of the work that I do, my postpartum training, my baby care course is from like my own like hardcore life harvesting experience. Not because anybody told me these things. Nobody told me these things. I figured this out by bumping up against a collective that has forgotten and being like, this is not Right. (laughs) What is going on? Right. And so that's what physiologic baby care is. It was like my intuitive mothering when I had all like, you know, so much around me being like, why are you doing that? And, you know, and, and all this kind of negative feedback and me being like, I'm doing it like this because this feels right. And then me pulling together, like, what is the physiologic design of our babies? And when you look at the physiologic design of our babies, really what it does the reason why the class is so empowering is it because it confirms your intuition, right? Yes. It's not that it um confirms what you know in your brain; it confirms your felt sense of rightness.
0: Yeah, the uh, the question I had loaded up to ask, I don't think it's it's perfectly uh, appropriate, or but it has to do with instinct, right? And, and that mm-hmm. was, and I very very clearly see and uh uh can point to my wife's sort of instinctual brilliance i would say as mm-hmm. as a mother right and through the whole process and i've learned very very clearly uh to how much to honor it and, and you know bow to it in a sense and i also know that you know i i think part of uh my instincts have actually i wonder if that's some of the uh the 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 comp, I mean, I'll just say this. Dads right now in this zone of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum and beyond are just getting their asses kicked like pretty hard, right? And mm -hmm. it's just so confusing. I think that's part of the reason. And what you just said there about our collective has kind of lost the thread or sort of lost Mm -hmm. the sense here. I think that's a big part of it. I also think that a lot of men are not used to living instinctually. They've lost track they've lost trust of their own inner sense right and for me becoming a dad has really it it's obvious it it comes alive or Mm -hmm. at least wants to come alive Mm -hmm. right and um i don't know if i even have a question i don't think i have a question i just i just wanted to share that and i and I, i what i noticed in fathers is that there is a there's like a constant war going on in their in their psyche or their self between their instincts which are trying to come out between what they've been told between what they were shown between how they were parented and yeah it's it's a it's a complicated moment uh, for Super an individual
1: complicated. yeah
0: and that doesn't you know one other thing i really wanted to bring up here too is the uh, i've seen and heard you say and i agree a hundred percent that our cultural sort of stance right now of, of the nuclear family and just the general thing, like it doesn't work. I mean, the way I say it's like, we're basically fucked. Like we become mm-hmm. parents. We have all the best intentions. We have all the energy. We're going at it with everything that we have. And the, this just the, like the straight jacket of, of how our culture is. And obviously we can move and make different choices, but um, how fucked are we, <laughs> Rochelle? <I> mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm not pessimistic I'm not pessimistic but it but it it is um it's an overwhelming sort of thing to parse
1: totally um yeah. I don't I don't believe we're fucked I believe that we're we're actually going to be all good with a lot of work ahead of us but I really do believe we're going to be all good um and the orientation point um the way that I talk about it is that we're living in a collective culture that um I call the death culture okay and that's Mm -hmm. not because we're in right relationship with death and we honor death that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about because every single facet of like the institutions in which we live is not designed to support life so what do I mean when I say that? There's like 40-hour work weeks, mothers and babies are separated at birth, children are away from their families all the time, most of the people who are doing parenting are not the parents themselves, there's no family values being passed on, but this is by design, right, because of how schools are, and because of how hospital births are, and because of how um, we have to work in order to pay bills, right? And um, like just all the structure of how we live within the collective modern culture is not supportive of life, right? Culture is like what we do day by day, month by month, year by year, right? It's our ways of being this. It's all the facets of life. Mm -hmm. And even, I mean, I give this example just to kind of be crude and crass, but it drives the point across. I mean, even just like the fact of how our toilets are designed. Okay. We can't even empty our colons sitting on (laughs) toilets at that angle. Okay. And then you take the fact that we're shitting in clean water, right? Like (laughs) none of it makes sense. Right. And this is just how I've always... Things. I've I feel like i've been like an anthropologist to the dysfunction of modern culture really since I was born. Okay, wow. so so this is like my way of seeing life, and i'm like like this doesn't support life. And so what we're doing right now right is we're needing to create a culture, a collective that supports life. So then we can call that a living culture right? So, like you're participating in the creation of a living culture through the work that you're doing with dads. And I'm participating in the creation of a living culture through the postpartum work I'm doing. And like this, and we all hold a piece, right? We're all um, creating it, right? Day by day and month by month. And that's what we're doing. Like to me, that's what this time that we're living in is about, right? And then there was this thread I wanted to speak to about. Oh yeah are we fucked this is why i don't believe we're fucked okay because i really um like we're fucked when we're like in the center and we're like in it we're like we're fucked but then if we can zoom out right yeah. and like look to the center from this kind of bird's eye approach i trust in a larger design of life we want to call it life we want to call it god we want to call it universe Whatever. And I believe that if things are happening, especially things are happening repetitively, then there is a damn reason why things are happening repetitively. And what I know from my personal lived experience is that in our individual lives, we repeat lessons again and again. And again, until we get the damn lesson, right? Because life is like, do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? No, okay, you're going to try it on this way. Oh, you don't get it yet. You're going to try it on that way. And then once we get that lesson, then we just get a different lesson, right? So collectively, we're like in this repetitive scenario of certain things where we're like, this is dysfunctional. Why is this happening again and again? And I really believe that it's happening again and again, because it's going to until we collectively get it, right? So, you know, a really hard example, but it's really how I see things is like, do I um, agree or think it's good that, you know, 35% of births in the United States happen by C-sections? No. Like, you know, what's the average, you know, what would be like the, the right percentage of cesarean births? Less than 5%, right, is like medically necessary. And I also don't, um, believe like, oh, it's because we're all victims to the obstetric system. And this, this is happening without any kind of deep lesson. What is the deep lesson? What do we need to learn in this to stop repeating that situation again and again and again, there's big lessons in here for all of us to wake up to, you know, and actually just this morning, I had this like realization because, you know, I hear like traumatic birth stories all the time. And and do I think it's fucked up? Of course, I think it's fucked up. But it's like, but it's also happening. So like, why is it happening? And then I was like, ah, of course, I can't believe I've never thought about this. Our children are our greatest teachers, right? And they're coming to wake us the fuck up, if we're willing to listen. And sometimes these ways that they're showing us to wake up aren't maybe the lessons that we would consider the most kind and gentle but they're here they're coming on their little missions to wake up the family bloodlines right so that we come back into right order as adults and if we could like shift the perspective from like this is so bad that this is happening and we're fucked to wow, all of these children incarnating right now are like really helping us to see certain things and wake us up individually and collectively. Thank you so much. Like that shifts the story.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? 100%. No, that's good. I I feel, uh, I agree. Like in the center of it, it's easy to feel, for even for me, fucked or like we're all fucked. But I I am... I'm definitely optimistic, mm-hmm. as a in general, as a whole. Um, and one of the things that makes me optimistic, and has continually made me optimistic, is I feel like I've had a privileged role to be in the seat to watch men wake up, and grow up, and step in, and uh, to to be consistently shown the The true desires and hearts of men underneath all of the mess and the complication and everything that's oh, going right. on because there is such a pure, pure and overpowering sort of want for better and to do well and to show mm-hmm. up, right? And so I feel very, very, I have got to witness and experience, you know, community around me that that uh, if propagated or if is sort of spread out, if kind of adopted, is it's beautiful, right there's there is more health possible. it's very obvious to me. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I would love to if if you're willing I'm at the beginning stages of of creating this community, this sort of this place for men to be seen by each other, to grow up, to learn from each other. Um, I'm curious what you would you know if you were to advise me for a minute on um things to look out for either to make sure we don't do or what would you love to see from a community of men that that are really you know willing and and actively stepping into into this role of fatherhood with as much tension as they can muster you know what would you what would you want us to consider or to think about the things that come to mind is um
1: having some kind of council with elder women. This is something Mm. that I've talked about with my elders, right? Um, That traditionally in a lot of places, there used to be these grandmother councils where um, things would get bounced off of them, right? In terms of like decision-making processes. Um, And I feel like, you know, as I have thought about the conundrum or however we want to call it about the situation that men are in because i feel like men are in a really hard situation right now and you know what has emerged from my conversations with women who i really trust cuz there's you know a lot of women are like well men have to figure this out cuz it's men's work and there's a part of me that agrees with that and then you know a friend of mine was like well all men came from women right so it's not like just for the men to figure out Right like as if we don't have participation and responsibility in this also as women, Um, and so I feel like the importance of grounded um, elder women's voices as guidance. um, For the men because it's this really intense collective remembrance like we don't know like what like we, you know, you have your ideas as a man and with doing the work that you're doing about what's going on for men. And I have my ideas as having a husband and interrelating with men and like the hundreds and thousands of women who I'm connected with by my work and like what's going on for the men. But it's like, it's this piecing together of things. Yeah. So that feels like a important thing, like this grandmother council kind of a thing. And, um, I don't know there was like this piece that I could like see into that maybe you know you're already doing it, but it's just like men um, picking up this responsibility to look into to really actually honestly feels to me more than anything. It's like pray about like, what is the fracture? Like, what is it exactly in there that needs repairing, that could then be communicated? to us as women and like, to me working with women and communicated to me when I work with men in my baby class, like what is it that men are tracking that they can see into that is like, um, what is this collective wound, right? And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about like beyond saying things like, oh, it's patriarchy and patriarchy has been, you know, super damaging to men. Okay, yeah, but like what? okay, what is in there, right? Because I feel like men as men can name that better, right? And then communicate that so that like, I have some more skills and tact in my communication with men.
0: Right. So both on a collective level, men being able to give voice to what actually is is the root of, yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. 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 That's uh yeah, I think that's doable. Again, I would say that's doable because I've I've got to experience countless times now individuals mm-hmm. being able to go there, mm-hmm. right? And um yeah, that's really is there is there a reciprocal I I may, I mean I'm I don't know, but is the collective for for women has been has it been sort of identified and and fleshed out and are we just a little late to the party? I don't I'm not saying that's true I don't totally. know, but but is there a reciprocal?
1: Oh yeah, I mean we have our part for sure as women, and I feel like we're like figuring it out, you know. And I'm like yeah. figuring it out through my like individual piece that is part of the collective of women and I don't know that I have things like parsed out enough yet to be able to say but like the part that feels like easier maybe I could say as women is that like women um maybe by nature we can even say like are in more relationship with women so there's more resourcing as we go through this right and um I would say like a big piece for me and maybe like my closest um, women peers, I'm not talking about like my elders cause that's a whole other thing. But like my my women peers is about um, accepting all the parts of ourselves, right? So that's like gets into yeah. parts work. Yeah. Um, and it has to really deal with Um, being okay and not feeling like we need to somehow purify or purge ourselves from what we deem to be bad, what we've been educated even through religion and and spiritual practices to be bad, right? Like purifying the mind or the body from anger, for example. And instead of just, um, instead of seeing it like that seeing the relationship that we have with that anger, feeling okay to be with that anger, as example, and allowing that anger to educate us, right? And inform us and accept that as part, right? But so there's the anger, there's the grief, there's all of the different parts and knowing that we don't need to make them go away that we are already whole. And there is this piece around acceptance. And that feels for me um, and like, in where I'm at in life, like a big thread that's up and it feels like it's probably true for men because just in the work that my husband and I are engaged in on a relationship level.
0: Yeah. I think it's a hundred percent true. So if I was to just give a, Take a crack at the the big collective piece. Here, here's where I would take it. It would be one metaphor I've for used a lot for women or for men. For men, for men, uh-huh. for men is um yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't have the gall to, to speak it for women. Uh, for men, there's this image of <clears throat> like the fabric of society, of family, of of humanity, and there's a sense that men are a, a stranger or a string that is not that is no longer woven into that fabric that is Mm -hmm. like sets apart is is set apart on a very existential plane and level and i think what i've seen and sensed over the years is like one of the results of this is that there is a real abdication of responsibility right Mm -hmm. there's there's a and as it's happening there's kind of like an inward and backward looking which looks and it's just it it's like a, it feels like pure chaos and terror because there's no one to look to right mm-hmm. I, and and i think like you can track this abdication of responsibility i don't know how many generations i don't know what i don't but it's kind of a sense of like if we reached back through all of this where is there any example or leadership or guide mm-hmm. and um i don't know you know like part of me is very curious about I don't know the the level of of having violence done to and having violence being the pur- purveyor of violence too, and what that does psychically and spiritually, you know, to generations of men who have gone to war and and all you know all of these things. And so I think that uh, what I've what I hope I see happening, what I think I see happening, is that this bubble of time that that we're in now. Something seems safer or or possible something seems safe and possible to to somehow find uh, grounding of some sort that that that's uh, this is very nonspecific language, but it i i don't have clear i don't have clarity on this, but it does feel like um you know men haven't felt human, haven't felt like they were actually human and that they were worthy of being human and i think that might be changing that's my hope totally
1: and it was like really helpful for you to say all that because um i do it's it's not just that like men have gone to war right because that's the part that's like remembered but even i just like went off on this the other day in this teaching lodge thing that we did but like for european descendant men okay um there was a period of like 700 years of like, you know, it's mostly lived in people's mind, right? Like what happened to the Native Americans of North America and the Europeans came and took the land and there was these genocides and 90% of the um, Native population was killed and, and all these horrible fucking things, which is true. But like what's not remembered, right, is the genocides that happened throughout Europe And that they happened over such a long period of time. It was so intense that it's not even like fucking remembered. It's not even remembered by European people. That's how devastating it was. And what I have learned through like my midwifery lineage is that there was 9 million women killed during the Inquisitions. And that there was many towns throughout Europe where there was not any adult women left. So what I see as a collective trauma you know, like just speaking about European descendant men right now is like, what is the impact on men as in a role of like protector and defender of their family and community? Um, seeing their women be killed, like over hundreds of years. And I feel like it's like this massive, um, What I track like hopelessness yeah men. i feel like so much hopelessness in men and yeah. i feel like such a lack of will i'm like yeah. where the fuck is the will you know and but like when i can track that thread you know it seems like um maybe you know getting back to that first question you asked about like what could come out of this work it's like maybe there needs to be like a real fucking grief circle for men and, like, yeah. not just the things that they've perpetuated, but the things they've witnessed, right, that have created this state of hopelessness and despair and a willpower that's dormant. Yeah. But to me, it feels like there's so much anger there, but there's also so much grief there.
0: I th- I think so. And, and the, again, where it, where it really is striking me now is in a desperation to be reaccepted to to be accepted to 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 be yeah, I, f- I feel like a uh and so I think there's part that men that we're attempting to do on our own, and but there is something about the um I don't know in, in this may in this moment it feels like this uh hopelessness with maybe one thread of maybe maybe I could be. Forgiven, maybe I could be um, welcomed back. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. it's so so deep it, it so runs deep. so, so deep. And, and it's like this uh,
1: collective story, you know, it's like, I've been tripping out on this lately just like the collective stories, right. That get spun out as history. And then we all believe it because this is what they're said, you know, what they yeah, said, but it's like, yeah. it's just consensus. It's like, we all agree to this. And then we're like, this is how it is. So it's like, yes. Do I believe that like men are perpetrators of violence? Yeah, sure. Sometimes, you know, but like the part of the story that's left out is like, the violence that men have experienced and have had perpetuated against them. Right. And something that like my elder says, and that like I've learned through her is that men like on a soul level are more, let me think of the word, um, vulnerable than women. Okay. Like, if she works with women, she will push women hard, I can tell you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If she works with men, she is like way, way more soft. And wow. I would say to her, why do you do that? And she said, Men are so much more vulnerable. Like, you can break them. She's like, fragile. I could break a man. Yeah. Fragile. If I, yeah, fragile. I could break a man if I did with a man what I do with you. Okay. And this is not like a superiority, inferiority thing, it's yeah. just like differences. And I've like really learned this through my husband and my stepson. Like I can like huh. the amount of fierceness that I have that I can like do that with women. If I do that with my husband, he just like freaks the fuck out. And yeah. I'm like, that's that's like 50 percent, man, of like <laughs> what <laughs> I've gotten there. Right. And but yeah. what I'm saying is like there's something really twisted in here. Right. Of like yeah. sending men to war when men have a more fragile soul we can say than women because then it's an intentional as part of the death culture to purposefully break the souls of the men like i can handle seeing a lot of shit right from like birth and all these things that i see and if i involve men in the conversations of the things that i've seen that to me is like just life and the complexity of life men are like whoa Right. But I'm like, this is just what we talk about as women. And so if that's the nature of our beingness without one being better than the other, and it's just a difference and men have been sent to war, like what's the intentionality behind that?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs)
0: And people can say
1: right that gets spin off into conspiracy or theory and whatever and it's like I don't really care because like this is how I perceive reality like why what's the design it's not functioning. Like we can say, if we were all like doing really well and thriving we wouldn't need to like question things but if like things aren't going well, we need to question things and with our own human intelligence, we can say this isn't working. And, and why is it like that? And then we can just start to track the roots. Right. And so it's not conspiracy theory. It's like using our human intelligence to question our origins.
0: Right. Well, to put a, to put a, a wrap here, here's, here's what I agree. The fragility of men, it runs incredibly deep. And I also, you know, yeah, it just seems like there's this, um, yeah, brokenness or something really deep underneath there at the soul level. And I think a moment of hope is that it seems that us men today may be able to, to be a part of some reparation or wholeness oh, or shit. healing by these simple ways of showing up, catching mm-hmm. our baby, being present. And, and you know, we only get to barely scratch the surface here in this conversation, but um, I am going to be pointing all of my guys in your direction and um uh, i uh i'm really 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 grateful and i feel a little shaky because this this does seem new and i think i think i'm a representative of it because i like my heart's in it here right like i'm i'm in it like we're, we're gonna do our best and it is it is um it there's a sense of, of uh you know a really big job without a whole lot of understanding or resources but like fuck it we're gonna we're gonna give this a shot totally. so very, very grateful for you and everything that, that, that you do and that you share. And um. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to continue learning from, from you in, in a lot of different ways. Is there anything, is there anything, um, I don't know, to say in wrap, or is there anything you want us to be, to know about or where should I send guys right now? Anything to, to sort of put a cap on this here?
1: Yeah, I think just in wrap, what feels important, just to kind of reiterate what you just said is like, um, because a lot of us can internalize, you know, the times we're living in and the difficulties we have with ourselves and in our relationship. And like, this is like, something's wrong with me and something's wrong with this. And so, you know, and it's like, we're all in this together, right? Mm -hmm. We are just in this, um, I call this time, like the time of repair. It's a really messy time. Okay. Like if people pose that they have shit figured all out, they don't really have shit figured all out. Like, okay, maybe I have like this small percentage of what exists in the universe figured out. Right. But we don't have things figured out right now. We're in this messy time of humaning and just to remember that it's not like an individual problem and i can't even say it's a problem it's just the work that is ours to tend to right now Mm -hmm. and i again i really strongly believe that with you know all of us adults tending to these matters right and what's ours to tend to knowing we can't tend to it all but like what's ours to tend to things are shifting, not just that things will shift, things are shifting, right? So that like in another 50 years from now, we won't need to have these conversations, right? Because we'll be at a different place in our collective evolution. And it just is where we're at right now. And it's messy. And just to be accepting again of the messiness of it. And it's that understanding that like, if we don't use certain muscles, right, they get weakened. And so the muscles of our humaning and our relating are kind of flaccid right now and maybe like men have certain kind of flaccid muscles and so do women and so we're figuring out like what are those muscles and then we need to move them right to build strength but it's just where we're at
0: yeah beautiful Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here i appreciate it
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: although i have no idea Who listened to the very end of this literally no idea whoever you are I always have like a a warm place in my heart for you and I appreciate you especially for taking the time to get into this all the way oftentimes when I meet people who have listened to my podcast uh, they always say well I know a lot about you and you don't know much about me that must be weird and to be honest it's not so weird it's actually kind of nice just makes for less small talk but anyway I kind of think I know you a little bit Um, Maybe this is getting creepy now, but anyway, thank you for staying. Uh, it'd be awesome for you to share this show with anybody who you think would benefit. Uh, you know, do all the things. Do the ratings. Do the subscribing. Uh, come to the website, dandotacom we got all kinds of good stuff going on and a lot more to come. Thank you.